huh? Yeah, whenever you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone, I'm Kevin Wolf. And I'm David Oro, and you're listening to The Umbargo, the greatest PR podcast of all time. Damn straight. Whenever we get around to it. Which is usually every other week. We're going to talk about news, politics, sports, pop culture, business, whatever we want. All of it from the point of view of public relations and communication. We are all about punching stodgy PR in the face. That's right. So sit back, strap in, and let's get it on. Check yourself, Dave. I'm trying to. It's Thursday, February 3rd, 2022. Kevin, I think we're behind on our run rate this year it's because like this is only our second podcast or it's yeah. the third no this is second i've been busy i don't know about you but today's thursday i feel like i've had like seven thursdays already this week yeah i feel like I i've had fridays and saturdays i'm wiped out man i've been working my ass off yeah i feel like i've had two 22 22s already so um, it has been a busy start to the new year, but we're pulling this off. Actually, everybody should know that Kevin and I did meet last week. We didn't have a show, but we had a conversation. We probably should have recorded it because we ended up catching up on things. We used that time to like plan the show and figure out who our guests would be. But we also ended up talking about uh, a few things that we might visit in the later show. I think it's too uh, spicy. We can't, we can't, that, that stuff can't be played. We, we got to. Dude, this is the embargo, bro. I'm trying to lose my job over here, Dave. No, no, no. We can punch it in the face. I want to punch stodgy PR (laughs) in the face, but like in a nice way, like a friendly sort of, you know, sweet way. Yeah. Well, it was a worthy conversation. Put it this way. It was an open conversation. Of course, we weren't recording anything, so. (laughs) Made it easier to be open and honest. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, we've got a guest this week. You want to introduce our next guest, Kevin? Yeah, we got a we have the best guest, Dave. I think this is the best. We've had our kids on this show, but we got some really great guests on this show. But you know, we got the best guests we've ever had on our show. We actually this is the first this is the first gangster marketer we've ever had on this show. I'm so excited to, to introduce her and talk about her. Her name is uh, don't say anything yet, guest. But her name is Lisa Nielsen. Uh, Lisa is a uh, is the senior manager of field marketing for uh, at T-Mobile for Business, and uh, we're going to talk to her about what the hell is field marketing and how does it connect to comms, and you know we're going to try to understand that. So you know because really comms is about supporting the field and supporting sales. So we're going to try to figure out a little bit more about how those things go together, but. Real quick, as uh, as a matter of background, Lisa is a uh, graduate of uh, University of California, Berkeley. Uh, she got her. Uh, she started off as a uh, at the Radisson Hotel in in sales, catering sales, and then uh, moved into the tech space. And she worked at Genesis uh, in sales and marketing. And then she was at a. Uh, a startup that actually went public up in Seattle uh, tech, in the tech space, a company called Aptio. And that's where she really broke into the field marketing space. And uh, and then I think in the past year or so, we can let her tell us, but I think she moved over to T-Mobile. She's based out of Chicago. She is married with two adorable cats. And, uh, and she's my sister, Lisa Nielsen Wolf. Welcome to The Embargoed. <laughs> Woo, 
Woo! Happy to be here. Great intro. And I'm kind of pumped up from the, the intro music you guys had. Like, that got me going. <laughs> well, you know, thank you for being here, Lisa. This, this show is nepotism at its finest. I love it. <laughs> thank you for being here. Um, Lisa, I got to ask you about the, this work thing. So, you know, Berkeley grad, go Cal, right? Go Bears. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Was, that was a good experience for you, I'm sure. Yeah. You like I love Berkeley. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like three of your jobs, two of your jobs, I knew people that were working there at the time. So I got a couple questions. First of all, the Radisson Hotel. You took yeah. that job straight out of school. And how was that? I mean, that just seems totally so different from what you're doing now. I know. I was super into it. Um, I, I graduated from college with an econ major and I really was into events and I wanted to plan and support and pull together events, um, have a team that, you know, pulled together um, big, big, crazy events and kind of participate in, in, you know, executing that. And um, of course my, my father said Berkeley graduates do not become event planners. Um, and so that guy know? He was an accountant for 40 years. You can't take that guy's advice. Right. Um, but yeah, so I, I looked at a lot of different event companies and agencies and ended up um, starting in the hotel business, which I think is perfect for anybody um, in their 20s. Um, hotel hospitality is just an amazing business, um, really fast paced, a lot of fun people. Um, and I learned a ton um, and I did catering and then I did sales. Um, I was there for two and a half years, I think. Um, and uh, really, I think the the biggest learning from all of that was like relationships right like how important relationships are in really any of our businesses but um, building those that rapport and those relationships with your customers your clients but also with your team knowing to how to speak their language and how to kind of um you know make sure that you're you're making you're you're keeping everyone going in the same direction um and understanding what 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 they're in it for and, th and so, then you yeah, jump and then you jumped into tech, working at Genesis and Naptio. And I knew two people that were in Genesis, maybe three, maybe two people there. And then I know somebody was Aptio or was it Aptis? I don't know, right? All these tech company <laughs> names sound the same, right? You know? So, and then, so you entered the tech field? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, let's talk nepotism here. I think uh, I, I joined Genesis because my, and maybe this is why, you know, someone at Genesis and my brother knew someone over there, um, knew they were looking to hire a couple people. And he, I think he wanted me out of his house. I was living with him. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, get this. Girl That's not job. true. But, but I guess you, you have me to thank and to blame for getting into <laughs> technology, right? Like Absolutely. you could have, you, you could have still been, you could have been like the, you know, the SVP of sales for Radisson worldwide right now, hobnobbing with like, you know, sultans and princes, like, you know, in Paris. I, I don't think the Radisson does that, Kevin. Sure. No, they must. No, that's the Ritz. <laughs> that's, oh, okay. uh, yeah. Well, the Radissons, isn't the Radisson connected to Hilton? Or are they owned by Hilton? I don't know. Anyway, we're glad you got into tech, but I want to understand, like, so you obviously didn't know what you were getting into with tech, but you had worked in you had done some sales and, and marketing, right? I guess, you know, on the uh, hotel event side, but you didn't know what you were getting into with tech. So tell us about your first tech marketing experience and, and what, you, what you took from that in terms of like, what the hell is this job? What am I supposed to do? Who am I, you know, who am I supporting? What's my, what's my uh, purpose here? Like, uh, what was yeah. that experience like? 
Yeah, you're right. It's totally different um, tech industry like than anything else and clearly than hospitality. I mean, a very different audience that you're supporting, um, a whole different, it's it's interesting to kind of, um, in, the, in the technology world, especially in the place that I was, um, where actually I have been my whole career is B2B. Um, it's sort of, you're, you're looking at um, technology and solutions that maybe you don't interact with yourself on a daily basis versus something like hospitality where you, you understand hotels, you understand, I've been to events, right? Um, I feel like that was sort of, um, and it continues to be the biggest challenge for me in technology is just kind of learning that business, learning who your buyers are um, and how, you know, they're, they're still, you know, people, they're still consumers, but they, they buy in a different way. And there's, you know, consensus sells to, to think about, and, you know, you need to sort of speak to, to their entire buying committee. Um, and so in Genesis was sort of my first foray into it. Um, that was call center software. Um, and I entered in the education realm. So we were actually selling technology education to companies that were purchasing our solutions. Um, and so I would say just kind of really learning the industry again, like learning your buyers was my biggest takeaway was just, you have to kind of, um, and honestly, I pulled relationships that, that was like what got me through this, this job and, and all the way through, like, you don't necessarily need to understand the technology right away. You just need to be somebody who's willing to work with everybody and you need to be willing to learn and willing to, to, you know, go to the next step and, and you'll get there, right? Like sort of the fake it till you make it idea, um, as long as you have the right people around you. Uh, yeah, I love that. I, you know, uh, I had a boss once that told me, like, act like you've done it a thousand times and people will believe you have. Yes. And, and that's that's the same idea. Um, so, you know, rela- you know, learning the industry, that seems critical. Uh, building relationships with the people that you're selling to seems essential. What about, like, what does it take? Well, let's, let's back up. So, so explain to us what field marketing is is specifically because you got into field marketing at Aptio and you're still in field marketing at T-Mobile. So I think anyone who listens to this program, all four of them, right? They, they all understand what, you know- 40,000 of 40, them. 40,000. Sorry, I misspoke. Yeah. That's, all, it, that's all, a day. That's per day, right? That's how many downloads per day. Everyone understands like what comms is and, and, and what marketing is, but field marketing- I'm not sure everyone gets that. So, so I want to, so, so what's field marketing? Yeah. And interesting. Cause when you even say comms, I think of a lot of different things also from a field marketing perspective. Um, so field marketing is, I love it. Um, I've been, I actually started in Genesis. So I've actually been in field marketing for, um, I don't even know. I can't count all of the years, but many years. Um, field marketing is really cool because it sits in the intersection of sales, the sales field and kind of corporate marketing. Um, I always say sort of where we bridge the gap between corporate marketing and sales. Um, and the aim is to both both be the voice to and from the field. So you're, you're that voice back into corporate marketing. What's the field seeing? What do they need? Um, and you're making sure that the field is, is leveraging and taking advantage of all of the things that corporate marketing is developing and designing that they can use in their, in their sales approach and their go-to-market strategy. Um, and 
in this case, I mean, in all cases, the coolest thing to me about field marketing is that you're really close to that revenue center, right? Sales is there, they're selling, um, and you get to impact that. We're super accountable in field marketing to the sales pipeline um, and their pipeline development and generation and acceleration. We want to help them hit their numbers. Um, and so we, we are as close as you can get to sales without being in sales, which I really enjoy because I don't want to be in sales. Um, but I love working with sellers and I love um, winning with them, you know, um, so it's a, it's a, it's really cool. And we, we kind of where I am now, but always throughout field marketing, we focus on three main pillars. We, we talk about engagement. So we want to engage our target audience. We talk about lead generation. So we want to generate that top of funnel leads that are going to convert through the pipeline um, and through the funnel to win. And then we talk about enablement, which is a really big part of it. Like how do we work side by side with the sellers and make sure that they have everything they need to be successful in their own prospecting efforts. Lisa, I want to go back to something you said as you answered that last question. I have a lot of ideas about what comms is. From your perspective, what what were you referring to there and what are those ideas? So um, when we, uh, so I work within field marketing or as, as I said, since I'm bridging this gap, I work with a lot of different functional areas across marketing um, and in in where I am today in T-Mobile B2B, um, we have a, you know, we have a kind of a PR team that sort of, um, we call it the big T, like they're T-Mobile PR. We have PR in the small T, TFB, T-Mobile for business, um, part of the business. And then, and so they're kind of doing, you know, what you would think of as, as a maybe, maybe traditional comms, but we also have a campaigns team. Um, that run kind of all of our digital campaigns, right? They're doing lead gen, but they're also doing engagement. They're also getting our message out and, you know, helping us to become credible in the, in the market um, in the same way PR, in a similar way as PR, but a little bit different. Um, and so when we talk about, when we talk to them, there's particular comms that they're running um, different kinds of um, digital, you know, social, et cetera. Um, and then even when we kind of work with the field directly, we're developing comms for them to use in their outreach. So I kind of think of there's a lot of different um, communications that are involved in, in our world. So the through line for, for all of those things is, uh, is two things, right? It's, it's message and content, right? So how involved are you as a field marketer? I know you're kind of the liaison between sales and corporate marketing, as you said, but but how involved are you in helping to figure out what the message is, what the story that you want that that what the story that the company that corporate wants to tell and developing the content that sales needs to do its job? Are, are you helping to develop that? Do you take your cues from corporate, from the sales reps? Like how do you figure out the message? How do you figure out the content? How involved are you in that process as a field marketer? Yeah, it, it's a little of all of it because I think, um, so, I mean, you know, I consider myself the evangelizer of the, my field into back into corp comms and so, or into corporate marketing. And so um, it's, you know, we, it's sort of like I'm sitting in all of these marketing meetings with a lens to my particular segment and what they care about and what they, you know, cause it's going to be different, um, you know, in, um, if I, I specifically support at the enterprise field, which is larger 
businesses across the country versus small businesses or versus government entities. Um, and so I wanna make sure that the, the language that's being used and the um, communications that are going out are have a lens to my particular segment and are speaking that language um, so that it's more relevant to our customers and, and to my field. And so, um, you know, we, we, I sort of can, I'm able to call that out when I don't see it, you know, specifically um, addressing my segment. Um, or, you know, I might pivot and just kind of use what exists today and create something that does. Um, so we do a little bit of both. Um, it depends on kind of the level of comms. Um, if it's something that I can, I can do myself or something that we sort of send through brand and legal to, to make sure it, it follows yeah. all the messages. So, so Lisa, you know, I, I see, I, I've worked with many field marketers and I'm like, I don't know how they do it. Right. Because it could get, get a little crazy sometimes. Right. So you're doing events, you're doing dinners, uh, you're reaching out to folks, uh, you're working with, with sales people who basically becomes your client, don't they? Right. Yes. They become your client. Like, I need this. I need that. And I'm just listening to you talk about corporate marketing. And I'm sure you have to sit in the meetings and you have to understand that. And like you, you probably pull collateral that exists that you think will fit this sales enablement program or some mm -hmm. event that you're doing right mm -hmm. and that's there but have you ever gotten a piece of crap collateral and like i cannot use this what is corporate marketing thinking because a lot of times i'll tell you on that side of corporate i've seen it i'm like well who are we meeting with what are we doing the field marketers like i know what to do i need this i need that and then you i'm not sure the corporate marketing guys sometimes are even that close to What's happening on the ground? So can you talk to us about uh, war stories or bad stories and things like that? Yeah, you're right, Dave. I mean, it happens all the time, unfortunately. It, it's, a, it's a product of mostly, I think, um, it's a product of sort of having to sometimes water down the like larger message, the, the, the brand or legal approved message that goes out versus like what the field, field marketing or the, my sales field really wants to say like straight up, this is how much it costs. This is what it's going to do to you. We have the best network. Forget all those other people. Like you can't necessarily get as strong and hard hitting in some of the like more generic or, or broader audience communications. Um, and so I feel like sometimes the message can get watered down to a point where it's not, it's no longer compelling or telling the message that um, the field wants to put in front of their customers. Um, so yeah, we, we definitely, we definitely see that, um, and we give that feedback, um, and then, you know, don't tell anyone, but we have sellers that go rogue, right? Like that are just like, mm, yeah, that's not working for me. I'm going to just go create my own thing. Um, and then, you know, we pretend like it, like, I don't know anything about it because, um, you know, that's, that's something that, especially with a, a large company, um, where I am now, you know, you gotta be real careful about what. Yeah. I, I, I could just see you going out there to some dinner or something. The customer wants, you know, a high end steak and you deliver a, a vegan meal. Right. You know, <laughs> and in terms of like collateral and they're like, the hell is this? I know I'm it's not food. Eating I'm, I'm not, not eating, eating that. that. <laughs> hey, go so, home and take this. So, yeah. so here's a, here's a two parter for you, Lisa. One, what does sales want? Because like on the PR side, you know, we're always thinking about like, uh, you know, we're going to get this, this press coverage, or we're going to write this case study, or we're going to, you know, some other piece of content. And, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, it, 
I feel like, you know, I'm doing that without really the insight of the sales team. Like what, what do they want? And then two, do they, in your experience, do salespeople, B2B salespeople care about PR results? In other words, do they care about like getting an article in Forbes or getting an article in a trade journal? Like, have you, do they use that stuff as far as you know? So yeah, tackle those two. Two-part two part question. Um, two part. Yeah, gonna... Lisa, the, the, the real answer is, yes, you guys are valuable, Kevin and David. <laughs> and that's why I love my brother. You don't, you don't uh, have to you know... his ego. Well, I, I, can, I can take the truth, please. Just, just give it to us straight. Okay. Um, I guess I'll start with the first one, um, sort of what does sales want? God, I wish I really, really got that. Um, I'm sure, I feel like sometimes they don't even know. Um, they're, they're trying to figure it out too. And um, they want whatever you haven't provided yet, you know, or some other version of it. Um, but they're, you know, really, um, they want, they want the, the nuggets that are going to, um, um, be relevant to their customer at a particular time, which is one of the reasons I love um, public relations because it tends to be a little bit, or you know, PR comms, it tends to be a little bit more um, um, current, like current and at, at the right period, right? Like current events, it's, it's relevant at that moment versus a lot of the other marketing like campaigns and things that we have to develop they take so long that you're, you're sort of no longer relevant in, you know, you can't, you can't follow the news. You can't sort of relate. Right. They, to get, they, they become available too late, almost maybe the trend or whatever, you know, whatever you, the sales rep wanted to hit on it's that yes. moment has passed maybe. Yeah. And so we, we can't, we, we can't often get that to them um, that, and they, I do think they want that they want to be, they want to be super relevant. And, and you, you listen to, you know, we care about CIOs in, in my business. That's who we really want to get to the, the, the IT leaders um, of some of these major companies and you hear them talk and they don't want, um, you know, just another generic email, generic phone call. They want you to know their business. They want you to come and say, hey, I understand what your challenges are and here is our solution for you. Not like, you know, they say like, talk about the dog, right? Like, don't talk about your, your this is what I can do. I can do this for you. I can do this for you. T-Mobile is great. We're amazing. We can do this. We can do this. It's like, oh, I understand you have this challenge um, and there's a solution for you. And so like, I think sales is starting to get that and hear that. Like we need to speak in their language. We need to start talking to them about their challenges. Um, and I just, sometimes that it's hard to do. You have to get really custom. You have to get, you know, very personalized. You have to do all that research. You need that data. Um, and so, you know, do you scale and get and touch everyone or do you sort of um, get account-based um, like account-based marketing you, you may have worked mm -hmm. with. So, sure. yep. um, so that's my feeling on like what a sales want. Um, it's, it's sort of a, a mixed bag. It's all over the place. And we do a lot of, um, we do do a lot of events, but we do a lot of um, kind of just, you know, we're, I, I love data. We're super data driven. We want to understand the Intel. We want to try to understand our customers as much as possible and speak to them in that language. And so we, we pay attention to that as much as we can given bandwidth. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, and then uh, second part. Yeah. Do they use the, the the press hits? Like, have you ever given right. a sales rep like, hey, here's a list of like articles we got in the last month. And, you know, you can put these in front of customers to show them what we're doing with other customers or these new products that we created or what 
the industry yes. is saying about us relative to the competition. Have you, have you used that? Do you know, is that yes. part of your arsenal? I would say, um, especially in the world I'm in right now, that's hugely important. Um, you may have heard of our competitors in the industry. Um, some other larger, large names you may have heard of, um, you know, we, we have, um, especially in the B2B space, a lot of market share to, to grow and to be, you know, to, to prove our credibility and to prove out our network in this business. And so um, sales need sales are my sales team is, is latched onto that completely. They want to, they want to push those types of messages out into their social channels. Um, they want to, and we, we put, um, that those platforms in front of them so that they can push those out. Um, and so they, they love that um, when T-Mobile is showing up in all of these UCLA and Umlaut reports about how great our network is and speed and, and capacity and coverage, um, they wanna push those all over the place. And so it, th that kind of stuff right now for us is hugely important because um, before those businesses are going to talk to us, they need to recognize that we're we're credible and that we um, that they should talk to us. That there's a reason to talk to us. And so, um, my field does really love that. Um, and and same with like customer case studies, super important for us to sort of show how other customers are using um, are are winning uh, with our solutions and with our network. Yeah, it's it's I don't know. Maybe it's not something that's used in all um, in the same way in all um, businesses, um, but certainly where I am right now, it's a it's it's a pretty big deal. Um, so the more of that that we can get out and the more we can get in front of our target audience with, you know, hey, T-Mobile B2B, like we're here and we support enterprises um, of all sizes. Um, we, you know, it's, it's a good message for us to, to continue to get out. And even when T-Mobile is out there, um, you know, talking about our network and talking about our coverage and how we've expanded, um, that's really helping in some of the small towns, sm smaller areas, um, where T-Mobile is super strong compared to our competitors. Um, we're starting to see like, oh, okay, you know, even if you're, you're on the consumer side, you get to see some of the business, um, folks kind of understanding how you can support, um, from an enterprise perspective. Yeah. Well, well Lisa, you'd be happy to know that I have been at T-Mobile for business customer for years. Really? And I, and I got to tell you, I made the decision based on PR. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, 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 not. Not really. Uh, it's because I hate AT and T. Also, a great reason. Yeah, and then Verizon just seemed really expensive at the time, and T-Mobile was really a good choice. And actually, it was somebody else. It was another business person I knew, and they're like, "It, it works here." Uh, and uh, can we get T-Mobile as a sponsor for the? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like they're, getting, they're getting a great plug on this show. Yeah, um, Lisa, I, I, I got to say though, but I think one of the driver driving things. Uh, personalities behind the T-Mobile brand over the years has been uh, their former CEO, John Laguerre. Uh, and I'm wondering, you know, I still see T-Mobile ads everywhere, right? I mean, it's like you can't turn on a sports game or anything nationally televised without seeing some sort of telecommunications ad or an insurance ad. And right. then there might be one or two car ads and then a pharmaceutical ad, but <laughs> the most is between insurance companies and cell phone companies. That's who I see a lot. Yep. Do you, were you there at the time when he was CEO and do you, do you sense a difference in, in uh, the brand reaction or anything? 
Um, yeah, so I was definitely around um, with John Ledger um, and he was quite a personality. Wow. I mean, just um, an incredible, um, an incredible like person. And he did a, such a transformation in his kind of business world. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, it was, it was a, it was a Dutch company before that. I mean, it was, it, he really took it places. Really. He did. It he was, really did. it was the and bottom he, third of being number three. And now they're really close up there. Right. So, yeah. we're, we're number two. Yeah. Two. And climbing. Two. Uh, um, <laughs> if you're listening out there, T-Mobile, you're climbing, you're, you're at the top for us. I'm thinking of switching all my stuff over to T-Mobile. Go ahead, Elise. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, you may you may hear um, talk about T-Mobile as the uncarrier. That was something that John start, John Ledger started and um, really just, you know, the differentiating ourselves from the, the other, um, the, the com our competitors. Um, and... Um, and then kind of T-Mobile for business, we think of as the unconventional, um, really just, you know, kind of targeting those um, businesses and people who are like, not gonna just settle for the status quo there. They're not just comfortable being with the, the carriers and providers they've been with forever and, and stagnant. They want to grow, they wanna innovate, they wanna, um, they want to see what what's coming next and T-Mobile is what's coming next. And so that's sort of the, the brand image that I would say started with John Ledger. Um, and the other part that started with him and that, you know, has continued still with um, Mike Seaver, our new CEO is um, the culture. Like it, it, it's all, it's in the culture. Like ev everybody who works for T-Mobile is super happy that they work for T-Mobile and they're, they're not just talking, like they're walking the walk. We're out there, I mean, involved in communities and involved in um, diversity and inclusion um, and in all of these different areas that um, everyone in the company is super passionate about and passionate about their people. Um, and so I just feel like, again, like from a, um, PR and commerce perspective, like that's a big part of who we are and what that message that gets out in the well, world I, is and the yeah, businesses it, that do business with us. Yeah, I think I think it's a brand thing. And for me, you know, I was I think I went through all three carriers before I settled on T Mobile. And it, it was you mean know, when you mentioned the uncarrier, it was true. Cause they I remember before I got on T Mobile, I was like, what kind of pricing am I getting? And it was 40 bucks a month. And then why am I paying 85? <laughs> right? <laughs> because there's this fee, there's that fee. And they came out and said, it's 40 bucks, all taxes included, make it simple. I've added my family on there and then, you know, just stuff for work. And um, it's just been really simple. But, you know, the brand was really John. And, and like the dude would get on YouTube or Twitter and start cooking in his house, yeah. you know? Just crazy, right? And uh, and that is so opposite of the guys down in San Antonio uh, running AT and T, and yeah. folks in New Jersey. And it's just it was it was awfully refreshing. You know, it, it is amazing, like how much people buy other from other people. How you're inclined to you know to buy to spend time with to you know dedicate you know resources to people and businesses that you like. Right, and I, I think that's um, that's that's I don't. It's always probably always been the case, but I, I think more companies are aware of that now, and and they're, you know, I'm not saying it's it's something that you're doing uh, inauthentically, but I think it is something that if you do it well, and you can get that message out there um, that you are 
you know, I'm, I'm the company that you can go grab a beer with after work. You know, I'm the guy, I'm the company that, you know, that you want to have over for Super Bowl Sunday. You know, I, I think you're a lot more likely to get someone's business and, and that someone might be a consumer and it might be a, you know, a CIO, a big business customer. Yeah. So yeah. Kudos to, to T-Mobile for kind of capturing that, um, that feeling. Cause it, it, it does seem like at least in Dave's case, they've done it. Hey, hey before we wrap up, I know we're, uh, we're approaching time. We, you are, have been involved in a bunch of like cool events. Like you're always like, you know, Oh, I was here. I did this. Just maybe you could like tell us a story of like one of the cool field marketing events that you hosted with sales or someone you met or someplace you went, like give us one of your best stories. Yeah. And it can't be about your brother. Why not? Well, it isn't because I haven't been to any of those cool events, but them for a while. Um, I used, yeah. So I, I think so. The one of the coolest ones we just did um, was T-Mobile is a huge sponsor of um, the MLB All Star Week. Um, and so um, back in July of last year, uh, it was in Denver, and we T-Mobile for Business also does an executive event as part of that, um, where we invite our target customers and prospects to come join us for a business meeting and a suite for Home Run Derby as well as for the All Star Game. Nice. Um, so that uh, was my ticket must have got lost in the mail for that, by the way. Yeah, you know, CIOs only. That's, that's right. what we're going for. Um, but we got to bring in Cal Ripken Jr. Um, wow. for that business meeting. And he was so cool. Um, just a super authentic guy. Um, came in, just kind of had a, a, a you know, um, fireside chat with with some of our executives in front of the audience, a small audience of like 30 people, right? So it was super mm. intimate. Everyone got a picture with them afterwards. Awesome. Um, and yeah, super legend, like really cool, really cool guys. So we get to do things like that. We're sponsoring the um, Final Four in New Orleans this year. Um, so we're looking for some really cool guest uh, celebrity speakers there too. I might need Le- to add Le- CIO to my resume just so I can get an invite <laughs> to that. Le- Lisa, Lisa, if you would pay me, I would be super cool and authentic too in a group of 30 people as well. I so. might be able to pay you for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's cool though. Cal Ripken, he's uh, he's a legend. So yeah, that's great stuff. Um, well, Lisa, I think I've learned more about your job and what you do in the last 45 minutes than I have in 45 years of being your brother next next time maybe i just need need to just say what's up with you what are you doing these days so i appreciate you breaking it all down for us on the embargoed uh this was uh this was good pod well thank you for that thank you guys thank you thank you for that ma'am you know stay warm uh in chicago i don't know how the hell you do it honestly I don't even want to tell you it's like 70 degrees here today. Oh, it, it is going to be about 70 today, Lisa. And you know oh. it. You left, you left, the, you're one of the few people that left the state and moved to someplace other than Texas. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, God. yeah. All, All right, right, guys. Hey, oh. thanks for being here. All right. So Take care. Say the black of the better, the sweet of the juice. I say the dark of the flesh and the deep of the roots. I give a holler to my sister's own welfare. Tupac kids, if don't nobody else care. And uh, I know they like to beat you down a lot. When you come around the block, brothers clown a lot. But please don't cry, dry your eyes, never let up. Forgive, but don't forget, girl, keep your head up. 
when he tells you you ain't nothing, don't believe him. And if you can't learn to love you, you should leave him. Cause sister, you don't need And I ain't trying to gash up, I just call him how I see You know what makes me unhappy? that When brothers make babies and leave a young mother to be a pastor. And since we all came from a woman, got our name from a 